Amen. Good morning, church. If you would, open your Bibles to two places. Uh, we're going to be starting off in Acts chapter 17 today. And then we're going to end up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm excited to kick off this series with you called Speak Life. And uh, it, is a, it is a series that's going to take us through the book of, or through the letter of the Thessalonians, or at least 1 Thessalonians. And that will continue all the way through into the 1st of October, which will be our One Kingdom uh, slash Mission Sunday. We're marrying those two things together in a great way, and more will be talked about that later. Uh, so be, begin now thinking and praying about what it is on that, on that day. Every, every dollar given that day goes towards our, our mission efforts, uh, here at White Cherry Road. And they are far reaching throughout the world. And, and as, as we go through this month up to One Kingdom Sunday and Mission Sunday, we will be talking about that more and more. Um, it was, uh, interesting. We were, Karen and I were talking this morning, uh, and she, and she said, why are you preaching? And I, and I said, you know, that's a great question. And, uh, and, and I'm not real sure, but I, I think cause the Lord wanted me to maybe today. Uh, and, and I'm very honored to kick this, to kick this sermon off, this sermon series off, uh, with that. Uh, as we get into this, uh, I want to recognize Josh Gregg. I know you don't like this, but Josh is, uh, uh, grew up here and is in Monterey, California, serving our nation in the U.S. Army. And, uh, he is home this weekend. Josh is 19, 19 years old, and uh, graduated high school last year and went straight in the Army. He's in language school right now out there doing well, and he's got a proud mama sitting next to him. His twin uh, is, it, is here uh, and serves communion every week uh, here at our church. So uh, if you're wondering, where did that guy come from? I thought he was in the—it's his twin brother. So, uh, Barbara, you raised some good boys there, and a good girl and a, another good boy, too, uh, with that. You know, Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And one of the biggest lies I think that we've all said and we've all believed, and you can say it with me, sticks and stones may, but that's a lie. <laughs> Isn't that a lie? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know the, the, the spirit and the thing behind there, but in reality, our bones mend relatively quick, and most of the time after we've broken something, we got a good we got a good story to tell, you know. But those wounds, those wound, those words that get into the deeper crevices of us, whether intentional or unintentional, they go and we fight those the rest of our life, do we not? Yeah. So that's why putting God's word in, why putting truth in, is so vital to what we do uh, with that. The flip side, words can 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 suck the life out of a person. But the flip side of that, they can also speak life and breathe life into a person. They can inspire. They can encourage. They can bless. They can save, as we're fixing to find out. As an example of this, by show of hands, in the last year, how many of you have received a birthday card from Robert and Bertha Dixon? Robert and Bertha Dixon sit right here every Sunday 
Thank you for speaking life into our people. Thank you. Because even if you don't know Robert and Bertha, the queen and king of encouragement, they, uh, uh, they, they have prayed for you and they took the time to write that card and put a stamp on it and send it to you. And even if you were having a good day or a bad day, if you're having a bad day, it made you smile, didn't it? That somebody thought about you. Speak life with that. We want to be people that speak life. First Thessalonians is such a great letter to study with this idea of speak life because of how they started. This whole church in Thessalonica started under such adversity. In fact, uh, in Acts chapter 17, we have how it started. And is, 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 if you may not know that most of the letters in the New Testament have their basis in the book of Acts. So you go back and read what's going on uh, as to why maybe he even wrote that letter. So read with me here. Follow along. Acts chapter 17. We have Proverbs 18, the, the, the life, the death and life and the power of the tongue played out right here in this story. In Acts chapter 17, read with me. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, three weeks, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining what Scriptures, by the way? The Old Testament. That's what they had. That's what they believed. And he, and he reasoned from the Old Testament, the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah or the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. You mean that's in the Old Testament? It sure is. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. Now, jealousy and bad character typically go hand in hand. And typically these people wouldn't even associate with these. The, the English Standard Version calls them the rabble. But whenever it served their purpose, they did. You've got to watch that one. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world and have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. They were speaking life. They were speaking truth. When they heard this, the crowd uh, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And on arriving there, they went, like he always does, to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Let's, if you're an underliner, underline that one. That's worth living out right there. Verse 12. Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews, back to the jealous Jews again, when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens, 
and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. It's right there. The whole Acts 18, where this life and death are found in the tongue, is played out right here in this story. You have Paul and the gang using their words to speak life. You have the jealous Jews stirring up some bad characters that are trying to speak death into them. So, and this happens in two different cities over a couple of months. It's a, it's a, it's a mess. It's just a mess going on while people are trying to speak life. And it's happening. The power of life and death are in the tongue. Silas and Timothy have to get out of town or left while Paul's fleeing for his life. And he's down in Athens and he's by himself and he's like, what in the world? What's going on in Thessalonica? What's going on in Berea? What, what, what's happening to the brothers? What are they saying? And then Timothy comes to him and says, they're doing well. They have fond memories of you. They're standing strong. And Paul, overwhelmed with joy, sits down and composes this letter we call First Thessalonians. And as we journey through this over the next several weeks, you'll see those places where he spoke life. And this is how he begins this letter. First Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his speak life letter. Where does he start? Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your one work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was thankful in this letter for three things. One, he was thankful for their work of faith. And what is this? What is this work of faith that he was talking about? It's going where faith leads. This work of faith Paul's referring to is that Christ-like character development in our life. It's where the Holy Spirit does his work inside of us. That's what he was thankful for. Go ahead and hit that next slide if you would, guys. There you go. It's, it's doing what our, it's what our flesh screams don't do. It's, it's going that step further that says, I want to do this, but you know what? I'm going to do this instead. It, it, it leads me to sitting in a group of people confessing my sin when, when my flesh and the world says, what are they going to say? You don't know. You, you keep that hidden. It's, it's coming into a room with other people like me and raising my hands in worship to God. And the world says, what are you talking about? It's like one brother said, I had just a few dollars left to my name and I put it in and then I was blessed beyond measure. It's doing those things. It's, where our, it's going where our faith leads us. It's that, it's that good work that, he, that happens because of faith, not our flesh. It's sacrificing our desires to be molded into a different person. That's the work of faith. That's where faith leads us. It's the faith that led Abraham when God said, get up and go to a country that I'm going to show you. I've never been there. Okay. And he does. Takes his family with him. Buries his father in a foreign land. And then goes on to this, to this foreign country. It's the same faith that said, go outside your tent, Abraham, when he was having a, a rough night. And he says, you, you see those stars out in the sky? Yeah. 
That's how many descendants you're going you're gonna to have. But I'm old, and so is my wife, and we've never had children. Your descendants will be so numerous, you can't even count them. And he said, I believe. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And my brothers and sisters, here we sit because of that promise. It's a promise when that one son was born. He said, you see the mountain over there, way over there in the distance? Yeah. You go over there and I want you to sacrifice your son to me. That doesn't sound right, God. I know, but do it anyway. And he took the boy, Isaac, and he told his servant, we're going to go on that mountain and worship. We will go and, what's it say? We will return. Because we get a little insight commentary when the Hebrew writer says that Abraham had reasoned that God could raise the dead. And his mind had already decided he was going to sacrifice and do what, even though it didn't make sense. That's the work of faith. It's doing those things in our life that, that go contrary to maybe what we grew up with. Because it's saying I trust God's plan in my life more than I trust my own. I'm going to do what God says because what I've done just doesn't seem to work out too well with that. Not only was he thankful for their work of faith, but he was thankful for their labor of love. We've heard this phrase, labor of love, before. And it's usually in reference to something that's hard. You know, whenever we've had to uh, uh, work hard for something and put something together, it's that putting the trampoline together on uh, at midnight on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve or the basketball goal or the bike and you're wondering why didn't I pay that extra $50 to have somebody do it and then a few years later you forgot how frustrating it was and you do it again for the next child you know what I'm saying yeah you've been there I've done it three times uh with that uh you think I could save money but boy what you pay in frustration we typically (laughs) we typically but you got a great story you know you got a great story to tell uh with that It's that labor of, in reality, service to others, easy or difficult, clean job or dirty job. Who's who's blessed when you serve? We are. We go away with that, with that, wow, the Lord used me. Someone was touched because of it. In our flesh, we're selfish. I don't want to get up and go. I don't want to do it. Why would I do that? But the Holy Spirit inside of us as children of God leads us to meeting the needs of others, seeing the need and meeting it, showing up and being present is there. Love for others is born out of a love for God. Service doesn't come naturally. Listen, service doesn't come naturally. It comes supernaturally because of God in us, because We did the work of faith. We were led by the Spirit to do that work of faith. And then we do that labor of love. Paul was thankful for that. The Thessalonians demonstrated this when they took the risk to protect Paul, to hide him, to send him to a different town, and then to send him to the coast. And then they kept doing what they were taught, and they kept growing, they kept learning, they kept serving. And then they come back. That's what he was so thankful for. The third thing he was thankful for was what is called the steadfastness of hope or this endurance. Steadfast isn't a word that we use too often anymore, but it's this endurance. I'm hanging in there. I'm staying in there. I'm, 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 I'm hanging tough because I know there's something more. I admire people with grit. You know, I really do. People that have, who have gone the long haul, who have suffered much, 
uh, and been faithful more than they've suffered and just just stuck with it. People who have had long nights and long days and long seasons and shadowy times and they just stuck it out and they never forsook God. They might have doubted and they might have questioned, but they never gave up. That's that endurance. Why? Because of hope. What is hope? It's that thing that, that you know there's something greater. It's the person that shows up. It says, even though I don't feel like it, even though I, I, I'm not even sure what good this is or it makes sense, I'm going to keep doing it anyway because I know there's something greater that's happening in me and around me and beyond me. And hope endures. It hangs in there during tough times, with tough diagnosis, through tough marriages, through tough times, through tough natural disasters, whatever they are, hope says there's something more and there's something more than just this moment in life that is so temporary. Therefore, we endure. We endure and we keep doing it with joy because we know what is right and what is true. We live with opposition. Some of you maybe have come to the Lord and you had to change your family. Most of us had to change our running crew. We had to change and the people that we ran with and where we had acceptance, where we had blessing, where we had favor. And we had to go and maybe you had to walk in this great big building and not knowing a soul. But you knew something was had to change. And I thank you for that. And Paul was thankful that they endured even though their lives were threatened. We hear the, the bowls tell stories about the refugees coming out of Syria into Greece. And, and our One Kingdom team is going over there. It's, it's a work that we, that we help pour into. And they're, and they're, they're having to leave. They're, they're in refugee camps uh, there and, and not sure what is going to happen with their life. And they, they can't go home. They've become Christians and they can't go back. You know, you, you leave for a while because it's unsafe. And maybe I get to go back. They don't get to go home. Their home is in their future. It's that endurance of hope because they know there's something better. That's what Paul was thankful for under all of that. What's the take home? We're going to do something maybe a little different this week, and I want to challenge you all with this. I have here an envelope that's uh, full of notes. About 20, 21 years ago, I went through a real dark time in our lives. Karen and I did. And many of you sitting here, some have gone on to be with the Lord, wrote these notes to me. And I've still got them. And I wrote on this thing, never forget. Because this is truth. This is life. 21 years ago, this was life to me. Spoke it into me. Some, one of my favorites... It's in here somewhere. I mean, some of it was just kids in your house churches that wrote things uh, to me. And they just, they couldn't even write at the time. They just, they just drew pictures. And thank you for that. I held on to them. I treasure them. I keep them in my desk and I see them often. And from time to time I'll pull them out. And, and I've added to them through the years. 
I've added two different things, you know, when people send me encouraging notes. So we want to do this. On your app, if you're following on your app, there's a place uh, in your notes to, to write this. If not, jot this down on a sheet of paper. Who do you think of? What person comes to mind when you hear the words, work of faith? You've seen how this person has grown spiritually. They're less angry. They're less anxious. They're less critical. They're more engaging with people. They're willing to study and learn and grow. You've witnessed an increase in their desire for holiness. You've observed the fruits of the Spirit. You've seen them struggle along, and they've made strides in their journey. Some short strides, some long strides. Still, they've made progress in their faith. Who is that person that comes to mind? Write their name down. Who do you think of when you hear labor of love? You've seen what they do for others and you appreciate it. The person that takes care of their aging parents, the one that gets to something early and leaves late, the one that financially meets the needs of others, the one that makes sure things are taken care of so other people can benefit the one that for years has tirelessly served in an area, the one that is the dirty job that no one else wants to do, and the one that does the simple task that means a great deal. Who do you think of? Who's that person that comes to mind? You, you have them in your mind right now. Who is that person? They don't have to be here. They can be somewhere else. Write their name down. Who do you think of when you hear endurance of hope? These people keep going no matter what the world throws at them because they know something is greater beyond this life. The single parent that goes through the challenges of raising kids, making sure they're involved in this forever family. It's going to be a whole lot easier to stay home and be easy like Sunday morning. The widow that continues to engage even though everything in them says to withdraw. The one that stays alive through the sorrow from tragedy that sometimes is too overwhelming to bear, that they keep going. That person's coming to mind. You've got a picture in your mind of that person. Write their name down. Write their name down or type it in your app. And I want to challenge you this week to do two things. Two things. One, I want you to do what Paul said he did. I want you every day constantly to mention them in prayer before God. That is something very, very serious, that mentioning a person's name before the throne of God is so vital. Do that. And the other is this. It'll cost you about $1.53 this week. Write them a note. Help them start an envelope, a rah-rah folder, I think Mike calls it. Send them a note in the mail. Send them a text. Send them an email. And when you get one, keep it because you're going to need it and hang on to it. Can we do that? We can do that, can't we? I mean, yeah, come on. Come, come on with me there. We can do that. We can do it. Robert and Bertha do it for all of us uh, once a year for us and probably sometimes more. We can take three people. And the challenge even beyond as we speak life and we continue in, in, this, in this letter is to make this a habit. There, you know, sometimes people are like, I can't, I can't do anything. I just, I'm not talented. I can't do this. You know what? You can use your words to speak life. 
the last few months, we all have, all of us in ministry, uh, have a have, have, have good women behind us that sometimes kick us in the pants when we have to be kicked in the pants. And I think towards the end of Bill's life, he was kind of sad. And Margaret said, you know, you got a finger, don't you? Or something along those lines. And how many of you remember getting a phone call from Bill? Yeah. Some of you still have the, the message on your, on your machine. You can still speak life. Let's do that. Let's practice that. Some of us need to have that life, the message of the gospel spoken into us, the fact that God became flesh, that he died on a cross and rose from the dead for us. And not only that, but he is interceding right now. Put us in a forever family. And he's, and he's sent his Holy Spirit to in, inside of us to help us walk straight and live holy in this unholy world. That is the message that Paul spoke to the Thessalonians and they embraced it and they believed it and said, God, I'm selling out for you. And they were baptized into Christ and they began to speak that life. Some of you need to respond to that. Some of you need to hear messages of encouragement and say, I'm, I'm hurt and broken and bruised and I need life spoken into me. We're going to have a response time for that. That's what this is about. And we're going to uh, spend time together as family just speaking life. Okay? Let's pray and then we'll, we'll have that invitation song. Father, we love you. And as that song says, you were the word in the beginning. And you brought the life down to us and spoke directly to us. And we embrace that life. I pray, Father, as we go through this, this series, as we go through uh, this, this wonderful letter to these wonderful people that, that are in, in a lot of ways like us, that we develop this habit of speaking life into people, not only just with your gospel, but words of encouragement, words that build up. Father, if there's anybody here that needs to respond to that today, I pray, I, Father, I pray they, don't, they don't hesitate, um, but they come forward right now as we stand and sing this song to your glory. Amen. Let's stand.